Welcome to episode 10 of The Playground Project with me, your host, Tanya Pomerantz. We have made it to double digits, and I am absolutely thrilled you are here on The Playground with me. Before we start today's episode, I invite you to download the podcast wherever you find your podcasts. I am so excited to welcome today's mystery guest, Rabbi Rob Moray. Rabbi Moray and I met when he was Temple Israel's rabbi here in Ottawa, and I was delivering a workshop to senior members of the congregation about how to use Facebook. I quickly learned there was no internet available at the synagogue. Rabbi Moray had just arrived, and I was surprised and delighted when he came to offer me some much-needed tech support. Rabbi Moray is at the Temple Anshe Chesed in Erie, Pennsylvania. I'm absolutely delighted to have this career connector chat with you, Rabbi Moray. So we're just going to start having a chat. Does that sound good? Sounds great. Okay, perfect. So my first question for you is, what were the subjects that you did really well in during high school? Great question. Um, you know, high school seems about three three lives ago. But anyway, um, I, I think uh, I've been pretty consistent throughout in, in terms of always doing well in the humanities, the history, the social social studies, that kind of thing, and, and then doing miserably in anything to do with math or science. And I can appreciate this very much. So when you were in high school and you were doing well in the humanities and social sciences and the history stuff and not doing so great at math and science, what were you thinking as an opportunity for post-secondary education? Well, I, I think this is one of the issues that uh, that we continue to have is that, um, you know, people will look at your, your academic uh, grades or performance and make decisions about what you can do or not do or your potential based on on the whole thing rather than saying, okay, well, you know, just because you don't do well in this area doesn't mean that you can't excel in another area. And so it was always this feeling of of being underperforming, right, of of never Mm -hmm. actually being able to, you know, have that great uh, sort of academic achievement sense of feeling because... You know, while I was getting 80s and 90s in histories and and histories and 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 those kinds of things, I was getting like 50s and 60s in in math and science. And so there was always they were always focusing on that versus focusing on the other and and sort of encouraging a pathway towards something else. So um, I, I think that if if I remember, it was you know I, I remember going down and talking with one of the uh, counselors and saying, okay, so. What's your plan? Where are you going? What are you doing? I said, well, you know, I'm going to either York University or University of Toronto, one of the two. And I remember saying, well, you, well you'll never get into uh, to the University of Toronto because they're going to require much higher grades than you have. And so you might as well just not, you know, d- don't worry about that one. You've got to think about something else, perhaps like, you know, community college or something. And And that was one of these senses of you know, uh, really a disappointment in, in that, you know, because that's not really what I wanted to do. Um, so anyway, I, I persevered and went to York and, you know, struggled my way through the one or two science or math classes that you had to take and then did uh, pretty well in the in the others. But in terms of what I wanted to study, you know, I sort of went in thinking that it might be law school, it might be teaching, 
something like that. And that kind of evolved and changed over the course of time because of different classes I took and, and people I met and things that I did and ended up in rabbinic school. I like that, you know, I'm, I'm with you, I'm with you, and then ended up in rabbinic school. So uh, that's a big decision to make. What motivated you to make that decision? There were a number of um, different moments that, or different experiences. Uh, one, I, I had always been interested in Jewish topics, history, Jewish texts, stories, lessons, all of that. I hadn't been particularly active, you know, in in you know, sort of marginally active in high school, and then became active in, in a Jewish fraternity in in university, and then um, started taking some uh, Judaic studies classes. And that really sparked an interest in in pursuing uh, those classes and and that as a as a sort of focus area of study. Um, and at the same time, um, one of my close friends, his father, was the director of education at the synagogue I grew up in, and they suddenly needed a fourth grade uh, Sunday school teacher. And it was for a group of 20-something boys in fourth grade who all played hockey in the morning and needed something um, in the afternoon on Saturday. They had a Shabbat school. And so I took on this experience of working with these 20 whatever fourth graders who I got about 20 minutes after they finished their their hockey games in the morning. So uh, and it was really this wonderful experience. And I did that um, for a couple of years. And then by the time I was doing it, uh, you know, in my second or third year of it, I then started expanding into other youth programs and other youth activities and things like that. And that led to a wow, this could be something that you could really do, you know, in terms of a career. At the same time, I was working as a Canada customs inspector at the airport in Toronto and was involved in, in some of the legal uh, stuff and realized that that's really not what I wanted to be spending my life doing, that, I, that it was just not for me. So uh, I was also in a point where I was really kind of looking for what was going to be next as I was approaching third or fourth year university. And then, uh, you know, just experiencing both the academics of Jewish study and also the practical, this is what working in a, in a synagogue could be like and decided that this is really something I wanted to uh, pursue. So how old were you when you were working with these fourth graders? Uh, well, I was probably second year university. So I was 1920 something, 21, 20. Okay. And it seems like a very long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it was, because I mean, I think we're pretty much the exact same age. And uh, yeah, I do. It, it, it's uh, it's a long it's a long time ago, but it was such an important element, foundation in in your journey. And what I'm hearing too is the importance of when you were the in Canada Customs and learning what you didn't want to do. Well, right. I mean, you know, I think that what was really great is I, I had the opportunity to do lots of different things. Even though I was, you know, quite young, I worked at the my mother's a pharmacist. I worked in the drugstore for many years. I worked in construction for several years. We moved into a brand new house and, and the builder gave me a job working construction, kind of being the helper kid, sort of wherever was needed and learned how to do a lot of the different trades, which was really fascinating and has been immeasurably helpful in my adult life, but not something that I really wanted to to uh, pursue as a, as a career. 
you know, and 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 then the opportunity to teach. And and it was really somebody who, you know, basically took a chance on a kid because I didn't know anything about teaching really. I I hadn't had any real experience with teaching a class in any way. I had been to camp and had done a lot of camp stuff, but but that was really it. And, you know, this was a, a whole new thing. And, and uh, Bob Tornberg, who was the director of education at the time, was a wonderful mentor and uh, sort of took an interest and took me under his, his, uh, his wing, per se, and helped me grow and develop those skills that made me, that I still, you know, in many ways still use today. And I'm hearing, and I'm lo- I, love, I love when I hear the word mentor. I would bet that this is something that you bring to your congregation and to other people in your life now. And you probably have been doing this for a long time. True? Very true. Um, I, I, I think that one of the most rewarding things that I get to do is um, every once in a while, you get a, a young person who is interested in you know, what we fondly refer to as professional Judaism becoming a uh, rabbi, a cantor, an educator, a camp professional, whatever. And I think one of the, the, the joys is to nurture that interest and, and to see that person kind of evolve and grow into that role. And I've had the, the, the blessing, true blessings, to work with young people as they have explored those ideas and, you know, help them along the way and seen them become wonderful uh, professionals. You know, several have be, have entered into the rabbinic field or the cantorate or become teachers or educators. And, you know, I can, I can see how the, the different kinds of experiences that we were able to provide in the synagogue setting, you know, had a, had an opportunity to really open their world and, give them the confidence and the the ability to go and and follow their dream. And what advice would you say to somebody who would come up who if they came up to you if someone came up to you and said Rabbi Moray I'm thinking about getting into the professional Jewish life what advice do you think you would be able to offer them about the kind of I don't know the kind of lifestyle it is because it's it's working on Friday nights and Saturdays, for instance. <laughs> well, and it's it's right. So it, it has to be something that you're passionate about. It has to be mm-hmm. something that you care deeply about, that you are excited to do, that you are committed to in a, in a serious way. And that you have to be the kind of person who's who thrives on being flexible. Because, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, um, I never have the same day twice. Mm. Any day I could get a phone call that that brings me into a family in crisis or a family in celebration or a or a a difficult moment, you know, uh, with with the with organizational leadership or a wonderful time or a fundraising opportunity or or a financial crisis or a moment of of learning and and being with a, a group of people who are studying in some way and, and feeling this intense, you know, these ideas that, that get opened up both for the teachers and, and for the learners. You know, it, it, it is a wonderful thing. You know, so, so the most important thing is that um, if you're the kind of person that has to have everything all laid out and all planned out and, and all, uh, you know, kind of predictable, this is not for you. <laughs> you. You have to be able to be flexible and to be able to roll with those, those unknowns that, that come by. That even though you plan to write your 
sermon for Friday night on on Wednesday, something else uh, demands your attention and you have to respond. That's the first thing. The second thing is, I, I think sometimes people take uh, everything far too seriously, that things become a crisis, even though they're not really a crisis. Mm-hmm. So that when the copier goes out and you can't make copies for the program or whatever it is, or the internet doesn't work or any of those kind of, you know, things that y- you also begin to roll with those punches and you can't let that you know, become an epic disaster of any kind, right? You have to just, you know, sort of see what's going on, fix what you can, do what you can, and then continue. Because if you let that become the driver of success, then then you miss the point of what you're really doing. Um, and I think the other part is, and this is probably the most difficult part, uh, especially for, for young uh, professionals, is um, it's hard not to take the, the some of the things and and some of the circumstances and experiences personally you know you'll have people who make uh, comments about something that you thought you worked hard on and you did and you 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 were working uh, with or, or for and they'll you know simply you know sort of rip it apart and if you take that as a as a personal thing then it becomes incredibly debilitating but often those folks are motivated by other sort of factors that bring them to make some of the unpopular uh, or, or unhappy or un, unfriendly responses. And so I, I think if you take what everybody says to you personally, um, it's, uh, it, it's very difficult. Uh, the other piece is if you also take all the nice things people tell you personally, <laughs> Then you get a uh, you know a, a, an aggrandized view of your own good self, and and you know and and the complicated part is that all of that stuff is is dealing with people, and people are yeah. very individual, and some people like what you do, and some people like your your personality and the way you do things, and other people don't, and that doesn't mean that what you're doing is wrong or bad. It just means that that particular person doesn't necessarily connect. You spoke about flexibility and and all the different you know, not one day, not two days in a row or the same kind of thing. When man makes a plan, God laughs. Yes. In the last couple of years with the with pandemic stuff, uh, we have certainly seen that, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, we had all of these assumptions about synagogue life, services and in-person and whatever. And suddenly it all went up in smoke and we all had to learn how to be, you know, professional Zoom meisters, you know, and, and everything, everything turned on a dime. Which is again, that flexibility. That's a, that's an excellent example of the importance of it because you were able to use all of the technological skills that you have. Yeah. I mean, within four days, we had moved all of our school programs, our education classes and our services to online platform. It was pretty wild. You know, it was messy and it wasn't perfect. I'll tell you that, but (laughs) you know, Within a pretty short period of time, we were able to get ourselves pretty well situated so that we could lead effective services and continue to build community. And, you know, what's interesting is kind of the result of it is, you know, we would have, I don't know, 15, 20 people come to services on a Friday night. And then uh, the pandemic hit and we regularly, almost almost like clockwork, had 30 devices logging into our service, which means Very we basically, cool. you know, doubled the number of people who came to or experienced services. Who knew that the way you doubled the number of people attending was you closed the building? Because you're making it more accessible for everybody. 
Right. And, hmm. and now, now we have hybrid and we, we have lots of people who join us online, lots of people who join us uh, in person. And then there's a whole group of other people who watch the service at some other point in the week. And that just is another opportunity for people to do that. So, um, you know, who knew that somebody would want to view a Friday night service on Sunday morning? And it's just another, and you and I have spoken about this, the the way that the world has changed. And this is a blessing that we've learned through the pandemic, this this opportunity to make things more accessible. Yeah, exactly. And and it's been that's been a a, a wonderful part. Now, now some of it's also been not so great in terms of losing, you know, some of the kind of interpersonal connections and the, the very different experience of being able to be in the same room at the same time and all singing or praying together. That's absolutely true. But I do I do like the hybrid option. What do you think are some other characteristics that would be beneficial for a rabbi? I, I think you have to want to work and be with people. I think that's that's pretty critical. And the, op- the the ability to connect with people that isn't necessarily based on on ages, as you have you are just as much a rabbi to the sixteen uh, year old who's having an adolescent crisis as you are to the eighty six year old who is facing the um, sort of waning years of of their lives. The differences and the the struggles are different, but the the demand of wanting to have somebody who can actually interact, connect, and and truly hear what they're saying is the same. So you have to want to be able to do that. It's not enough that you can speak beautifully or you can give a sermon or you can lead a service or a wedding or life cycle event, whatever it is, to me, the, the, the really critical piece is being able to actually connect on a personal level with the, the people that you have the, the uh, blessing to, to be with in congregational life. I'm just thinking about all of the different facets of, of being a rabbi. There's the educational mm-hmm. part, there's the interpersonal part. Which part, and I think I know, but which part do you most enjoy? Well, I, I think for me, it, it's a combination and, and it's really sort of part and parcel, right? It, it's the interpersonal experiences. It's the teaching. It's it's um, creating communal experiences that are meaningful for mm-hmm. people. You know, we I, we just took a trip to Cuba uh, last month and it was a great opportunity for, you know, about the 28 or 29 people who went to really connect with each other, to do that as they were going through this shared experience together, or or whether it's a it's a service where we're you know in a you know where we're all joining together in a particular song that is meaningful or powerful or whatever, or the passages of time for for community mm-hmm. celebrate milestones. Um, we're about to actually celebrate the 150th anniversary of this congregation next year, so that'll be a big communal reflection and celebration moment. Mazel tov. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's great. And so why Cuba? Um, Cuba, well, first of all, I've been several times, and um, Cuba has an, a, a spectacular uh, active Jewish community. Um, it's all lay-led. Um, at some point in the history, there was probably 20,000, 25,000 Jews in Cuba and uh, today there's closer to maybe a thousand or so. Um, a thousand people, not just families? Yeah. No, a thousand people. Wow. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so you have this incredible history of 
Jewish connections and uh, and variants in in Cuba. There are uh, three different synagogues in Havana that are still functioning with fewer numbers, but still functioning. And they are a, a group who, you know, in, in the face of lots of different adversity are very, very resilient. And so that resiliency is is really remarkable to be a part of and to experience. And it, it's just a fun, interesting, mm-hmm. I, I find it a fascinating place to, to visit. So we, and we there's have, some pretty cool cars over there, right? Some old cars? There are indeed, yes. Due to the <laughs> embargo, they, they had a real uh, struggle bringing in uh, cars over the years. And so they kept the cars of the 40s and 50s that were already there and they've sort of continued to nurse them along and patch them together so that they still continue to run. And and uh, you can find a lot of taxis, you know, will be a 55 Chevy or a 58 Impala or whatever. And uh, it, it's really fun because it lends a whole kind of flavor to the streets of, of Havana, especially. You, you know, I'm thinking as a listener, and if, if there's a, if there's someone listening and they don't, they don't maybe really know a lot about being a rabbi and they're hearing you talk about Cuba, this might be a very interesting, you know, perspective of like, wow, there are so many other ways to be engaged and to help other people engage in, in the religion, whether it's clergy in general, right? Whether regardless of, of what, uh, what faith there's the, yeah, I mean, there, there are, I mean, just, just in terms of, of the Jewish world, there's, there's not only, you know, the, you know, being a rabbi is not the only way to be active and involved in Jewish communal life, right? There are so many different aspects of, of Jewish communal uh, expression. So there's the Jewish community centers, there's the Jewish federations, there's the, the, the Jewish day schools, Jewish youth camps, senior centers, um, all of it. You know, there's so many different, different aspects of, of, Jewish institutions that uh, offer lots and lots of different possible opportunities for people to to be involved. I feel like you're kind of reading my mind because the next question is, what other jobs could you do with the skills that you've gained in in the rabbinical world? So I've had the, I've had a, a blessed career so far. Um, you know, I started off in a fairly large congregation in Rochester as a, a sort of a youth focused rabbi doing general, you know, rabbinic tasks as well, but but also running all the youth programs and and all that. And then I moved into campus work. So I was the I was directing three major campus Jewish centers and three smaller sort of uh, student run organizations. And that was a whole different you know world also because it was uh, college level and student run and that kind of thing. Then I moved to Detroit and was the director of education. So really focused on the educational aspects of congregational life. And and from there went on to the Jewish community center where I sort of became the person in charge of Jewish education for the center itself. So all of the different programs that happened there. So the, the camp program, the preschool program, the middle school program, and we ran a, a Jewish children's museum as part of that. Um, How long were you at these different places? So uh, I was at the museum and the JCC for four years. And uh, is at the same time that that they uh, went through a, a pretty serious economic crisis. And they had to close many of the departments, including the one I was at, which led me to uh, re-engage with uh, the, the congregational world. And 
led me to Ottawa. Interesting. Isn't it cool the way things just happen for a reason like that? Exactly. <laughs> and this could be an unfair question because you're not a, a soothsayer, but um, how do you think your job will change in the future? Um, I, I think it will continue to change as it has changed in the, you know, I, I've now been out 26 years. Last year was my 25th and usually uh, you're awarded a uh, a doctor of divinity, uh, an honorary doctor of divinity, doctor recognizing your uh, 25 years of service to to the Jewish community. And so, you know, I, I think the one thing that has been constant is that lots of different opportunities present themselves. And I think that Judaism, and especially in, in Reform Judaism, I think we have very much lived up to our name of we are constantly reforming, recreating Jewish life. And uh, I, I think that will that will um, certainly continue. Um, we have to figure out how to make Judaism um, both uh, relevant and relatable to a new generation. I think that the old models of synagogue life, which has stead us well for probably the last 200 years or so, are not necessarily resonating any anymore uh, with with a you know, the, the Gen Z or even some, to some degree Gen X. So there's lots of people who are far more engaged uh, doing online stuff. I, I think the, you know, the um, live stream services and those kinds of things are really important. So I, I think that those sorts of things are going to become uh, even more important. And I think also counterculturally, um, giving people the opportunity to engage in um, real, you know, in-person activities is is going to, you know, we're, we're going to see a kind of a pendulum swing back to that. Wow. I'm going back in my head and wondering what it must be like for a listener to hear from a rabbi like this, because this is something that people don't get the opportunity to do, really, to sit down and listen to the career journey of a <laughs> rabbi who's been doing it for 25 years. That's a significant chunk. Well, and it's given me the opportunity to do, you know, several different kinds of rabbinic work, right? So it hasn't all been the same sorts of things. There have been certain, you know, consistencies, sure, like, you know, Friday night is, you know, Shabbat services or Shabbat services. But beyond that, there have been lots of different areas of focus that have allowed me to grow and develop in really wonderful ways. Do you think you'd get bored if you were doing the exact same thing every day? Oh, yeah. So I, I enjoy the challenge of let's see what today brings. I love that attitude. I think that's I think that's amazing. Thank you so much for this, because you've opened my eyes too to the possibilities that exist, to the potential to uh, to the opportunities and to always say yes to the opportunities that present themselves because like i said everything happens for a reason and it's kind of like the shirt right it's meant to be right uh, you know i think that's that's it that if you're closed off to the opportunities that are new and different then you never get a chance to try or experience uh, something else and that something else could be the thing that is is what you really connect and are going to be passionate about. And that's the whole thing, the, the idea about kind of digging, digging and sticking with it and sticking with things until you do find your passion, because it's it's always there. Everybody has it. It's just a question of of really being able to find a way to connect with it and kind of bring it to the surface. 100%. Thank you so much, Rob. This has just been really wonderful. 
I appreciate you taking the time and hanging out with me on the playground, me and the listeners. Tanya, it's been lovely and wonderful. And uh, this is a, a great process, I think, for people to delve in and, and kind of explore different ways and different uh, pathways that they can take to success and happiness. Thank you so much to Rabbi Moray for sharing some really important words of wisdom with us. Words like opportunity, rewarding, mentoring, and most importantly, people. Being able to connect with people of all ages is critical. And for Rabbi Moray, it's all about the teaching, the interpersonal connections, and creating meaningful opportunities to worship, celebrate, or share in life cycle events together. He spoke of a rabbi's need to be flexible, adaptable, and be able to pivot. He also shared his joy in creating different opportunities, like trips to Cuba, for people to access Jewish communal life. What's next for the rabbi? He will be awarded an honorary doctor of divinity, celebrate the birthday of his congregation of Temple Anshe Chesed, continue to mentor young people who are interested in joining the Jewish professional life, and figure out ways to make Jewish life relatable and accessible to Jewish people of all ages, especially the upcoming generations. Thank you so much to Rabbi Moray. Please join me on the Playground Project for next week's episode and a really inspiring Career Connector chat with another fabulous mystery guest. I invite you to follow me on Instagram at PuddleJumpCoaching001, and please join me next week when we will jump into the future together. Thank you.